This word of God is an amazing book. It is, it's an amazing book because it is God's inspired word. 1 Timothy 3 says, this book is breathed out by God. Breathed out by God. And even though Paul wrote some of it and David wrote some and Peter wrote some, it does not take away from the fact that this book is totally and fully inspired and breathed out by God. It makes it a unique book, and therefore, we have to believe what is in this completely. We don't have the ability, we don't have the right to tear out pages of this book when we get to places that are hard to believe. It's also a unique and an amazing book because of what happens to it, this that we just sang, that through this book, God reveals himself to us. Can you imagine, church, that... The God who made heaven and earth, who knows every star by name, longs for you to know him. And he gave us this word and he said, if you read this, I'm going to tell you who I am. And he longs to reveal himself to us. He longs for us to know who he is. It just blows my mind that he would ever do that for us. The passage we get to this morning, and you can start turning there, is Luke chapter 8. And if you already had your Bible open in Daniel, I'm sorry, Matthew will return to Daniel 8 at some point. But this morning we're going to take a a look at Luke chapter 8. You know, sometimes we get to passages in the Bible that are very familiar to us. And we can often be tempted when we get to those passages to say, all right, I can sit back. I know this one. I got it. I know what it's going to say, so I'm just going to relax. And if that is your first inclination, like it sometimes is mine to think that, oh, I know this. I can relax. I want to ask you to resist that temptation this morning because I feel that if we delve down into this passage, I know what will happen. God will reveal himself to us and we will be changed and humbled and impacted and challenged by this scripture. And so as we get to this familiar passage, resist this temptation to think, oh, I know what this is all about. And so before we delve into this scripture, please pray with me that God will help us. Oh, Lord, thank you that we can come to your word this morning, your inspired, breathed out word this morning And as we approach it, we know that we are not approaching something written by man, but something breathed by God. Lord, thank you that we can come to this passage, this well-known passage. I pray for every heart here this morning that you will open blind eyes and open deaf ears to hear the message of your word. Lord, will you use my broken words for your glory. Will you use my broken words for your word to be established? And Lord, will you show us Christ? Will you reveal yourself to us this morning, we pray? Help us now. 
In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Read with me as, we, as I read Luke 8, verses 1 through 18. Soon afterwards, he, talking of Jesus, went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said, as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let them hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not hear, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root and they believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart. And bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the ones who has, more will be given, and from the ones who has not even what they think that they that he has will be taken away a well-known passage right and this morning church this passage is going to challenge us to ask the question what do you do on a sunday morning and during the week with god's preached word when you hear it I believe that this text will, will address this. 
how we listen and respond to God's word reveals the condition of our hearts and has an eternal consequence on the well-being of our souls. For those of you who like to write down and have points, of course a preacher has to have three points. I'm going to have three and three. So. Um, I'm quickly going to look at what this says about the preacher who sows God's word. I'm going to look at our hearts, that is the soil for God's word. I'm going to take more time at the last point, which is take care how you hear. The common title for this parable is the parable of the sower. It describes a sower that goes out, and in verse 5 we see he went out and he sowed his seeds. The original hearers, would, when Luke told this story, would imagine immediately a man going out with a basket full of seed, and he would go and he would throw the seed on his field. And they would realize that this man, as he goes out into his field, would try and sow all this seed on fertile soil. But the way that their fields were set up, he would sow some of this field on the paths. These are the paths that people walked on. And sometimes they crisscrossed through the fields that were sown. And some of the seed would fall on the rocks, typically, which would be the little hedge around the fields. And some of it will fall between the thorns and the thistles. But this sower would be faithful to sow his seed, trusting God and hoping for a healthy crop to spring up. Of course, this is a picture of God's word being sown. Now, let's be clear that Jesus is the main sower of the word of God. But me and Matthew and Chris in this church, we have the opportunity to be preachers of the word. And in this specific case, we are the sowers of the seed into the hearts of the people that God has given for us to sow his seed in this morning. We do not sow sparingly or selectively, just like the sower in the parable, but we sow abundantly and indiscriminately, trusting God like the farmer, that God would bring up a yield, a, a crop, a fruitfulness as we sow his seed. But although this parable is often called the parable of the sower, it actually says very little about the sower. It just mentions him quickly that he sows the seed. And so some translations, remember this is not, Luke didn't call this the parable of the sower. It's just the Bible makers who call it this. Some translations call this the parable of the soils, which makes more sense because so much more time is spent on talking about the soils. The soils, the physical soils in the parable and the soils of our hearts in this. And so know this, that our hearts, of course, is the soil in which the seed of God's word as it is preached is planted. And there are four types of soil described here. Four soils that a preacher sows his word into on any Sunday morning. And we'll quickly look at them. 
Look in your Bibles with me as we go through these. In verse 5, we will see the first type of soil. It's called the path. It said, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Verse 12 gives the interpretation of this. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. There's a second type of soil, the rock. Look in verse 6. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Explanation in verse 13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. Third type of soil In verse 7, among the thorns, and some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Explanation in verse 14, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And then we come to the final soil in verse 8, the good soil. And it says, And some fell in good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And the explanation in verse 15, As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Four very different soils that we see the sower sows his seed on. It implies that this morning there are four types of heart soils that the word of God is sowed onto. There are different soils who will react different to the soil, the, the, the seed that is sown onto it. And you'd say, what makes the difference and why is that one soil producing a crop? And the ultimate answer is because of God's grace. If any of us hear God's word and it produces fruit in us, it is ultimately because God is kind to us and gracious to us to allow his word to spring up and produce fruit in us. But there is a responsibility we get to this tension that we often see in the word where, where there is God that is doing something, but man has a responsibility. We see this all through, through scripture and we get to this place again this morning. There is a responsibility of the hearer, in this case, of the, the hearer of God's word to prepare the soil of their heart. Verse 8 ends with these words. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And you'd say, oh, okay, I just need to hear. But if we look back, if you see all four of these soils, when when we read through the parable, it says they heard. The ones along the path are those who heard. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear. As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hear. So all hear with their physical eyes, 
But obviously there's something more to this. There must be a different kind of hearing than just physically hearing the, the sound of my voice and the sound of, of this message that's going forth. And so when we, when we look at the end of this passage, we see, yes, there is something different because verse 18 says, take care then how you hear. Take care then how you hear. Why is this important? For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. You know what this is saying? This is saying how we listen and respond to God's word reveals the condition of our hearts. And it has eternal consequences on the well-being of our souls. And this really is the main point of this message, church. Take care how you hear. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time. The preaching of God's word is very important. And as a church and as a body and as a part, being part of sovereign grace, we hold preaching in high regard. But do you realize that hearing is as critical? It is important for the sower to sow the word of God abundantly and indiscriminately. But it is in this particular text not addressed. The preacher needs to sow effectively. What is addressed in this passage is hearers take care how you hear. And so please know that Matthew and Chris and I do feel a great burden when we preach to be faithful to God's word. But this morning I want to tell you, church, take care how you hear. And so just as I am called this morning by God and we believe that I am called to stand here and preach to you, realize that each one of you individually are called this morning to hear God's word. Take care how you hear. I think there are three things because we can easily say, okay, I, I get you. Take care how we hear. So what does this mean? What does it mean for me to hear? There are obviously different ways. And I'm, I want to to highlight three ways that I think we need to evaluate. Take care how I hear. There may be many more, but I'll talk about three things. I'm going to talk about preparing our hearts to hear. I think it's critical. If we want to hear right, we need to prepare. Also going to talk about engaging the word of God while it is preached. And then we're going to talk lastly about holding fast. I want to say at the outset here, this parable applies to every single person in this room. Our hearts are not naturally tilled and fertilized and fluffy and ready for God's seed to be sown in it. Our hearts are naturally rebellious and prideful and we treasure other things before God 
And we are easily ensnared by the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and by the pleasures of this world. And so each one of us come into this place with somewhat of a hard heart. And we need God to make it soft so that we can hear his word. And we all need God's Holy Spirit to help us prepare our hearts. And so there is really only one place when we say, take care how you hear. And I say, I want to take care how I hear. The first thing I have to do, the only place we can start is in humility, on our faces, in repentance before God. Going to him and asking his forgiveness because we have hard, rebellious, prideful hearts. Asking him to forgive us that we treasure other things more than him. Asking him forgiveness that we falter, that we waver in our faith, that we run after the pleasures of this earth. Asking his forgiveness that we take his preached word for granted so often. Remember that James 4 and verse 6 and 7 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. And as we hear this, we realize that in humility, we run to God and we say, Lord, will you forgive us? I want a heart that is ready to accept your word and to produce fruit. And so we ask him for that. Because you know, church, without treasuring Christ and without being undone by his glory, all the things that will follow, I'm going to talk very practical, but all the things that are follow will wear you out. If you are doing the practical things of preparing your heart and engaging and holding fast, if you do those practical things not out of a heart that is totally in love with Jesus, it will wear you down. And so that's where we need to start. That's where we need to start. If you feel that your heart is not amazed by God, start there. Go to God, ask him to give you an amazement for him. I want to talk about some practical things. We know that God is the one on one hand who needs to prepare my heart. But there are a few practical things that we need to do. We have a responsibility. Let me say this. Preparation of our hearts is not a quick once-off snap thing. I don't walk in here on Sunday and then I go like, I need to prepare my heart. Lord, help me quickly, thank you. And now my heart is prepared. If you and I live during the week for ourselves, for our own pleasures, for what we like, if we spend all our time and energy to do just what comforts me, what pleases me, if you spend all of your time with friends who are in resistance against God, then we cannot accept to walk in here and all of a sudden, all of what I did this week, the cares of the world, the pleasures that ensnared me, everything that I did to please me will just all of a sudden be gone 
and I'll have this sweet, tender heart where the word of God can be planted. And so what we do during the week matters. How we live during the week matters on how our hearts will be prepared for God's word. Secondly, I want to talk about Sunday morning. Now people are going like, oh, where's he going? Hear this. Sunday mornings are important, church. If your posture, normal posture is, Sunday morning is a time I can sleep as late as I want, then wake up and rush as quick as I can through breakfast so that I can spend at least the last 45 minutes checking WhatsApp, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, or read the paper, I can tell you that you will come in here bearing the weight of the world on your heart. And those things will walk over your heart like the feet of the people walking on the paths across the fields and they will tread down the word of God. I don't want to be legalistic. I don't want to say this is what you have to do. Every family is different. But know this church that we have to have a certain posture before God when we wake up in the morning to say, Lord, will you quiet my heart and will you prepare me for your word to be sown? I'm going out on a limb here. There's one more group of people that I want to address this morning. There's a group of people that have grown accustomed to coming in here late. And I want to warn you, I want to tell you that if you were here this morning from the beginning, you would have seen that our services are crafted to help you prepare your heart to receive God's word. The first thing that we do when we come together is we have a call to worship that call to worship is made so that it impacts you to see the grace of the glories of God, the God that we are going to teach about and we are going to receive from. And then we start worshiping. And if you come late, except for the fact that you are disturbing other people, you miss out, friend. You miss out on an opportunity for your heart to be prepared so that the word of God can be sown into you. And so I want to encourage you. I know that there's a lot going on in many people's lives. But I want to encourage you on a Sunday morning to get up and come to church. You know that Will and a bunch of people are praying in the room just here. 9.15 every Sunday morning. Come and join them. Prepare your heart. Come and have conversation with brothers and sisters. Talk about the grace of God and prepare your heart. How we prepare our hearts during the week and on Sunday morning reveals the condition of our heart. It's very quiet in here. The second way of Taking care how you hear is by engaging God's word when it is sown into your life. 
Our responsibilities as hearers do not stop by preparing our hearts. It includes being engaged during the service. Take care how you hear involves take care how you engage with God's preached word. How on earth do I do that? I'm just a listener. I I usually am just a listener. I sit right there and what am I supposed to do? Matthew's speaking, I listen. But there are things that we can do, church, how we can engage with that with that work, that preaching that is coming our way that can help till the soil in our hearts. I'll start by some of the negative. We can engage by not being distracted. It's difficult to say don't be distracted. If you're distracted, you're distracted. But you can attempt not to be distracted by not daydreaming, by not thinking of last night's movie or tomorrow's test or who will win the Super Bowl tonight. Because when we spend time with those things while we are in this context, it robs you of God's word penetrating our hearts. And so we need to stand, we need to make a stand against those things that want to steal our attention away from the preached word of God. But there are, there are specific ways that we can engage with the word that is unique and significant and will make God's word come to us and become alive. We can pray while we hear the pre- preached message. God, help me to understand this. I don't naturally understand all of your word. Will you help me to understand this? We can, we can, we can engage God's word by desiring to know him. And to hear him. You know, church, we said this morning, God breathed this word. And he, he shows himself to us through these pages. And while we listen to God's word, we can say, God, I want to perk my ears to hear you display yourself through this message. Engaging with the message. We can be listening for truths. We can be asking, how does this, what I hear right now, apply to me? This is a great thing to do. How does this apply to me and what should my response be because of what I hear being preached at this moment? This is engaging with the preached word. And we can exalt God and worship him in our hearts when we hear of his mercies. We as preachers are fallible. We're just broken vessels. But somehow God saw it fit to use broken vessels to sow the seed of his infallible word. You have a responsibility and I have a responsibility when we hear the preached word of God to engage with it so that it can sink into the soil of our hearts. The last thing I'm going to talk about, how to take care how you hear, is to hold fast. In verse 15, we see it says, take care how you hear. Wrong. It says, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, 
Hold it fast in an honest and good heart. And then do you see the difference that the, of the results, the, the big difference in the results between the, the seed that was sown on the path on the rock and with the thorns versus the seed that was sown on the good ground? So the seed on the good ground is the only one that produced a crop. It produced a fruit. Why? Verse 15 says it, because it was held fast in an honest and good heart. And so it bore fruit in patience, with patience. So you and I, church, have a responsibility to hold fast to God's word. We need to hold fast God's word in a time of testing. We need to hold fast God's word when the cares of this world show up we need to hold fast when we are faced with the deceitfulness of sin and the pleasures of life. We need to hold fast when we are tempted during our week to believe that God is not really good to us. What does it mean? How do I hold fast to God's word? Well, there are several ways that I think we can hold fast to God's work. The first way is by not allowing yourself to walk out on a Sunday morning and to quickly forget everything that happened. Like this is just one more thing that could happen to you today is hearing the preached word of God, hearing God reveal some of himself to you. And the way that we hold fast is not to walk out there and just, boof, it's gone. But to think of it. And to recollect it and to go back and to hear it. We hold fast when we are challenged during our weeks. We hold fast by, by remembering the truth of God's word. And if you're faced with a situation where you don't know what the truth of God's word is, then remember the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember that Jesus came for you. And when you are fearful and when you're worried, remember that Christ came, perfect God becoming perfect man, to die for you. He took your sins upon himself. He bore the guilt. He took the punishment that was yours upon himself. And he bore it so that you don't have to. And as you believe on him, he says, I will become your God. I will become God Emmanuel for you. And now when you are facing troubles, you can know this God who died for me, who saved me, he is right by me. God Emmanuel says he is right by me. And this that faces me now, I don't have to face alone because God is right here. This is holding fast to the word of God. When my heart is fearful, when my heart wants to break, I hold on to, the, to what God has said to me in his word. And I hold fast to his word. And I go and I discuss it with my wife and my children and my friends. 
And I speak this truth to myself often. This is probably the area we, we all know the, the phrase, preach the gospel to yourself. This is probably the, the one area, church, that if I could just change one thing in my life immediately, I, would, I wish I could just change this. I pray for this a lot. And you probably do the same. When we are faced with life's troubles and we're like, oh, I'm so undone, to quickly remind ourselves of the truth of God's word and who he is and what he has done for us. That is holding fast to the word of God. And so this week you, you may be faced, this week or next week you may be faced with all kinds of difficulty. You may be laughed at at school because you're a Christian and you profess Jesus as God. You may be scorned because of that. You may receive bills this week that you know I do not have the money to pay for those bills. You may have a child that continues in rebellion against God. You may experience all kinds of suffering in your marriage. You may get a bad prognosis from a doctor and you may stumble at the pleasures of life and the deceitfulness of riches. And in those moments, church, you and I enter a battle. We enter a battle because the natural man, our natural man will be overwhelmed and angry and depressed and fearful and we will doubt that God is good to us. And those are the times when we need to Hold fast this word of God. We hold fast that he says, I am with you always. Do not be afraid. I will take care of you. When the enemies come, I will fight for you. I'm your God and your redeemer. I love you and nobody will snatch you out of my hand. And so we hold fast. We hold fast to God's word and we, and we fight this fight. And when we do, you know what this says? It says that when we hold fast, God's word will grow in us and it will produce a crop in us. It will produce fruit in us. And by God's grace, we will win that battle with unbelief and anger and fear. Church, how we listen and how we respond to God's word reveals the condition of our heart and it has eternal consequences on the well-being of our soul. I encourage you to this week seek to prepare your heart for God's word to be received. I encourage you from this day on when you sit and you hear God's word preached to engage that word. And I encourage you to hold fast to God's word. Because when we do these things, verse 15 says, your heart will be like the soil ready to receive God's word and it will produce a hundredfold. What glory if God's word will produce in us a crop that we will look more like him. 
What grace there is for us. Take care, church, how you hear. We have a responsibility. We don't just sit there and listen. We have a responsibility. If you feel at this moment that there's a heaviness on you, I want to tell you that God does not require you to do this on your own. There's nothing here that says this morning, when you come back next week, you better have made sure that your heart is ready throughout this week. Because I'm sorry to tell you, you'll fail, just like I will fail. But know this, this church, that this week, as we posture ourselves before God and ask, Lord, I want a heart that is fertile soil, that your word can be planted in and produce a crop, that he is the one who is faithful to do it for us. We serve a faithful God. As we set out to apply what we have heard this morning, church, may the Holy Spirit help us to hear in such a way, to prepare our hearts in such a way, to engage in the preached word in such a way, and to hold fast to God's word in such a way that it produces much fruit in your lives. Amen. Pray with me. Oh Lord, we come to you this morning and just confess that none of us truly have hearts that are fertile and ready for your word to be sown in. And we need you. Lord, what we sang earlier, we ask that you reveal yourself to us. We continue that throughout this week. I pray for every man and woman and child here. Lord, will you reveal yourself to us? And as you do, will you give us grace, Lord, to to do our part of preparing our hearts? Help us, Lord, to seek you to love you, to be so enamored with you that nothing else matters. And then I pray, Lord, as your preached word comes in, that it will bear fruit to your glory in our hearts. Will you do the work, Lord, that we can never do? We love you, Lord. Amen.